Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. The kingdom or advancing God's kingdom is something that we do hear quite a lot in the Christian world. But what it really boils down to is that um, the kingdom is God's reign and, and, and his rule. It's something that is here and now. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us. Um, and when we accept Jesus as our saviour, we can have a relationship with God. He reigns in our life. Um, and the more people that come to know Jesus, the more people that put God as their king and ruler, the more his kingdom advances. It's also something that's yet to come. Again, another Christian phrase that we hear. It's because Jesus isn't actually physically on this earth at the moment, but there will be a time when he returns, a new heaven and a new earth. This is also the kingdom of heaven that we can expect. But don't worry about the jargon too much. If we love Jesus and if we accept the gospel as truth, we're part of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And that is a good thing. Um, So the passage that I'm preaching on today is from a well-known parable that we'll be talking about the kingdom of heaven and how it's revealed, but how it's also concealed. Um, So I'm just going to launch right into reading it. It's from Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 1 to 23, and it's the parable of the sower. And it should be up on the screen behind me as well. So it says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples then came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and and they will have an in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you, what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
So I've spent most of my life moving around to different places in the UK, sometime a bit, um, a bit of time abroad. So before these six years that I've been in Manchester, I've been living abroad with my family for about eight years. And those were over my teenage years, so they were quite sort of formative years. And because of this, when I came back to the UK, it honestly felt like I was being a foreigner in my own country. And I realised that in the UK, we have so many little sayings and little things that we, uh, little idioms that we use to explain things. And I just didn't understand what they meant. So one that I heard quite a lot, and it took me ages to understand, was when people see red sky and they say red sky at night, shepherd's delight. And I did actually, um, I was going to write it down so I could remember what it means. And I actually can't remember what it means anymore. <laughs> but I, I genuinely didn't really understand what it meant. I thought it might be to do something to do with shepherd's pie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> another one that I remember hearing quite a few times was a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Again, I can't actually remember what it means. Um, and I still don't really know how to use that one. But my favourite one, and it is used quite a lot in our household because my husband is from Manchester, from the north, it become, has become quite a regular statement. And apparently when you walk into a room and the main light is on and your side lamp is on and the other lamp is on, you're supposed to say it's like Blackpool Illuminations in here. And I think it's a very very useful term to use um, but as British people we're quite good at using these words or little, little idioms to kind of express something or comment on something that's going on and in this passage Jesus kind of does a little bit similar he uses the parable to explain um, and show something that's going on about the kingdom of God or about what it means to follow him and this passage, passage is kind of split into three parts you have the first bit which is the parable itself and then the end bit which Jesus explains the parable but in the middle, Jesus is telling the disciples why he uses parables. So I'm going to read that part again, because that's the bit I want to have a look at first. And so from verse 10, it says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has been, become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. So if we backtrack to the previous chapter before this passage, we can see that Jesus is really having a hard time getting his message across to people. He's having a hard time showing them and getting them to believe in the kingdom of God. They either just want to see his miracles, but then aren't really doing anything to follow Jesus after that. Or the religious leaders are just questioning Jesus and questioning his claims and his actions. And Jesus was warning people that they are in danger if they rejected him, but that message just wasn't getting through to them. He had to change his teaching style and find another way to show how important it is that we accept Jesus as God and as king. And so it can be a little bit confusing to look in this passage and see that Jesus is saying that knowledge about the kingdom of heaven will be given to some people, but not to others. It can seem a bit confusing because we know as followers of Jesus that we're called to spread the gospel to everyone. And that is true. There is nothing that dampens that truth. But what Jesus is actually doing here is preparing the disciples for the reality of how people will receive the gospel and how people will reject the kingdom of God, especially as they will be the ones to go out and spread the gospel after Jesus' Jesus's death. Because for those who receive the word, the kingdom of God will be revealed to them in the fullest. But for those who reject it, even when it's openly there for them, the kingdom will be concealed. 
Um, there were many that Jesus was preaching to that just didn't take in what he was saying. So he spoke to them directly and they wouldn't listen or would just demand that he perform miracles. Or even when he spoke to them using parables, they just wouldn't be able to grasp the deeper meaning because they weren't looking for it. Something that's important to bear in mind about faith and following Jesus is that there is a choice in it. It's our responsibility to choose to follow Jesus and to choose to take in what he says about the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus was teaching in parables, people could either see Jesus' teachings and take it on board, or they could just sit there and think, this is a nice story about some sower and some seeds. And that's who the kingdom is concealed for. Jesus doesn't conceal the kingdom from them. In fact, he pretty much hands it to them on a platter, but they choose not to see it. Whether they're not bothered about finding the truth, or whether they have prejudice that clouds their view of the truth, they're locking themselves out from the truth of the kingdom of God. And this is the truth that Jesus has been trying to tell them all along, to follow him, to repent, to allow God to rule in their life. So even as he turns to parables to give people a chance to see the kingdom of God explained in a really easy and relevant way, they're still turning their eyes away from it. The parables in Jesus' teaching challenge the listeners to act differently and to live by faith differently. There was a responsibility and a choice to be made to follow Jesus and do that. Back in Jesus' time, people had prophecies and they knew about this Messiah, this Saviour coming, but they kind of expected him to come in this sort of huge war, defeat God's enemies, and then God's kingdom would rule over in this big, dramatic, glorious, sort of like a Game of Thrones type scenario. But Jesus does exactly that, but just not in the way that the religious leaders of that time expected. The kingdom of God isn't a political movement. It's not a war. It's a transformation of our hearts. It's a transformation of people's hearts. If we invite God to rule in our hearts, that's how the kingdom comes to earth. And Jesus was there just saying that. He was saying, I'm giving you the kingdom and a way to receive it. But people just weren't receiving it. Whether Jesus was showing them in preachers at synagogues or in parables or in showing miracles, people still chose to turn away. But because the disciples had their faith in Jesus, when they heard these parables, they got to see a deeper meaning and they gained more understanding of Jesus and and this kingdom of heaven. For others who dismissed or didn't believe Jesus, they missed out on an opportunity to gain Jesus and all the amazing things that come with it. And sometimes I think we can see ourselves in that. Are we open to hearing the truth from God and getting to know him more? Or are we shutting ourselves off to the truth? The verses mention a prophecy from Isaiah that kind of explains how people are responding to Jesus' message at this point. And again, it can seem a bit disheartening to sort of hear it so plainly written that it was expected that people would reject Jesus. But Jesus was saying to the disciples, look, I know this is disappointing that when people reject or refuse what the truth that you're giving them, but God will still work through this. His kingdom will still come. Because what the disciples didn't know yet was that these people who rejected Jesus The ones who scorned him, they were the ones who put him on the cross as well. And Jesus dying on the cross was God's greatest plan to save humanity. Jesus was preparing the disciples of a future of delivering the gospel that wouldn't be easy, but that they could trust God and his plan. So that was just a bit of a deep dive into Jesus and and how he used parables to show the kingdom of heaven. And how it was received definitely applies to how Jesus can be received today. But what we've been talking about actually really seamlessly moves us into looking into the parable itself. And I love when the Bible is seamless. It's almost like God inspired it or something. Um, And this parable asks us to look inside and see whether we're making that choice to follow Jesus, the choice to look at his teaching and see it as the truth. So Jesus very kindly gave us an explanation for each metaphor in this parable. But before I go into that, I want to quickly look at something that is maybe sometimes a bit overlooked in this parable. 
So when I was a uni student, I had a small part-time job with an organisation and it went into schools to teach debate. I very, very quickly realised I'm not cut out to be a teacher. I have zero behaviour management skills. Um, but I was teaching this group of year fours. They're maybe about eight or nine years old, I think. I think that's what year fours are. Who knows? Um, and their homework had been, um, I'd given them, had been to go home and write about something that they were passionate about. And then they were going to come to class and present it as an argument for debate. And I'd done a few sessions with this class at this point, so I felt like I knew the personalities a little bit, or at least I thought I knew them. Um, I thought I knew who would be maybe a bit more comfortable to share at the front, who was a bit more reserved and didn't want to share. Um, so I decided that day to just pick a couple pupils um, just to share at the, front, at the front who I thought would be okay with sharing in front of people. Um, and I'd assume that they had prepared something. I have no idea if this was the right thing to do. I was 19. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so I picked a couple of students. And after I did and after they shared, immediately this girl sitting at the back burst into tears when I didn't pick her. And I was like, oh, OK, here we go. I did not do the right thing. So when the other pupils were away doing something, I went to talk to her and this girl was usually really quiet. So I just assumed she didn't want to come up to the front and share. And then she got out the homework and she had spent hours writing about how she was really passionate about her little sister. She had drawn all these pictures about her little sister and she was so ready to share that she was really gutted when I didn't pick her or when I didn't even ask if she wanted to share. And I was like, oh, I didn't even give her a chance to, to put her hand up to say she wanted to share. And I felt terrible. And my teaching career was short lived after that. But the moral of the story was that I had picked who I was going to give this task to based on some assumptions that I had about them. Assumptions that turned out to be really incorrect. And I'd massively underestimated the other students. And so in this parable... Um, the sower's actions can sometimes be overlooked. In the parable, the sower isn't picky about where he throws the seed. He doesn't make assumptions about where he thinks the seed will grow. He just throws it. When we're sharing about Jesus, we can make assumptions about who's ready, who will want to hear the gospel, who's going to be changed by it, like how I made assumptions about um, the students in my class. And, but the, the farmer in this parable sows the seed everywhere, regardless of what the outcome would be. The farmer wasn't looking for quick results as he wouldn't be able to see the results of the seed growing for quite a while, if at all. He wouldn't know which seeds root and which wouldn't. And we shouldn't pick and choose who should hear the gospel and who shouldn't. I know my immediate gut reaction of fear is when I'm trying to share my faith is, oh, they won't change. They won't listen to what I have to say. They'll make fun of it. But I've made those assumptions again. And when I think about someone who um, was just really generous and limitless in sharing the gospel, I often think about my dad. So when I was a teenager, um, my dad worked for a company in Qatar in the Middle East. So we lived there for quite a while. Um, and Qatar is a Muslim country, quite strict rules about um, faith as well. And a lot of his work colleagues were Muslim. So he had to be careful about sharing his faith. But by no means did he hide his faith at all. He would work over Ramadan so his colleagues could have that time off. And they would work over Christmas so he could have that time off. And naturally, it kind of sparked some conversations about why we celebrated Christmas and um, why we had this faith, what we believed about Jesus and how we prayed and spent our time going to church. And he was massively respectful about that culture that he was in, but it didn't stop him sharing the truth about what he believed. And sadly, my dad passed away when I was 17. And obviously at the time it was traumatic and sad. And, but I've since been able to look back and see the impact that he had about sharing the gospel even then. Um, as I said, my dad was respected by his colleagues and what was really amazing to see was we had this brilliant memorial service at the church that I went to and very quietly and very discreetly, his Muslim colleagues came in and sat at the back 
And this was completely breaking protocol and laws of the country of that time, completely breaking their own sort of moral laws as well. But they were there um, because they knew how important my dad's faith was to him and he didn't have any assumptions about how he should share his faith. So there they were at the back of the church hearing us belt out Hillsong and Jesus culture. And my dad wasn't around to see that. I don't even know what the outcome of planting that seed was. And maybe there won't be an outcome for a while but it didn't stop my dad from sharing the kingdom of heaven. And he didn't think they won't want to hear it. They've got other beliefs. They don't want to hear it. He shared it without limits of thoughts on what the crop would produce. And I want this to be an encouragement for us to, to sow the good news generously. We don't need results or assumptions to be obedient to God and to share his gospel. God will grow the seed. Our role is just to plant it. And as I said before, Jesus gives the full explanation of the parable. So It might be the most obvious part of the parable, that bit at the end where he explains it, but actually it's the most important part for our lives and how we can live out our faith. And I remember in school, I used to really struggle with English classes. I liked the maths and the chemistry because all the numbers made sense, but I struggled a bit with English. I just couldn't seem to get the right interpretation of whatever poem we had to analyse. Did the blue curtains mean the author was depressed? Probably not. But at one time, I felt like I did get the understanding and the analysis spot on. And I turned in an essay about it and I was really confident about it. And then I got the grade back and it was a B minus. And honestly, I was ecstatic. That was a good grade for me. Um, And then I went to chat to a friend. She seemed really upset with her grade. And I asked her what she got. She very ashamedly was like, I got a B minus. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought that was a good one. Um, And we received pretty much the same piece of news, but had a very different reaction and very different interpretation to it. But I chose to believe it was a good score and I was happy with that score and I still would be today. Um, But she wasn't happy with it. She thought the same score was not good enough for her. And so kind of similarly, when we hear Jesus about Jesus and we, when we hear about teachings from the Bible, we can choose how we respond to it. The first way that Jesus says people respond is when the seeds are flung on the path and the birds eat them up. Jesus explains this to mean that it's about people who hear his message about the kingdom and do not understand it and take it on board. So the enemy comes and takes it away. And there's a lot of ways that we can see this happen either to ourselves or to the people around us. It's like we hear the word, but we don't let it penetrate. We're not quite happy and just let it go and it doesn't make any changes in our life. And people might do this for lots of reasons. Sometimes it's the easier way out. Why question where we come from? Why question where we go when we die? Why think about deeper meanings in life and our purpose when things are going okay? And then before we know it, we've moved on. Life's gone on again and we've forgotten about God. Or sometimes we can just be fearful to a, fearful to a new truth that's different than what we know it might require us to change. Even though we know the outcome of giving our lives to Jesus is that we have an eternal salvation with him, it can be scary to think about that. We can be in denial about the fact that we need that. It could be because of pride, we have addictions or obsessions or ideas that we know deep down aren't good for us. They don't satisfy us or fulfill us in the long term. But we're too prideful to admit that. We're too prideful to admit that we sin and we can't be perfect without Jesus. The other seeds fell on rocky places, so the crop sprang up quickly, but did not have much root in the rocks, so they were scorched by the sun. Jesus says this is like someone who hears the word and receives it quickly and joyfully, but because he has no roots, it only lasts for a short while. It's a bit like how popcorn kernels pop quickly. I just put that one in there. That wasn't actually planned, so (laughs) go me. (laughs) This could be, um, that was really bad. That didn't really fit in, but that's for you, the youth. (laughs) This could be someone who is totally open to the word and agrees and is completely on board with it, but 
perhaps they have that moment where they believe and have an encounter with God, but then they don't act on it afterwards. No real commitments to faith are made. And it's something that's only relevant for a moment. And then it drops to the back of the mind again when things get difficult. I related to this, especially when I was a teenager. And I would see maybe friends my age that had come to church and had some really amazing encounters with Jesus. But when they left to go to university, life just became a bit more difficult. They weren't able to keep it up on their own and their faith slipped away. And I found that really gutting and really hard to grapple with. And we can see that at all stages in our life. I think what's important is that what we believe needs to be found for ourselves. And that's when it becomes something that we can cling on to when times get hard. Don't believe because your friends tell you to, but believe because Jesus is the ultimate truth. He's the ultimate saviour and everything about him is good. Our faith needs to be a personal choice that, that we make because when things get difficult, we'll be able to rely on Jesus, but only if we know him truthfully as our saviour. We need to be rooted in Christ, not just relying on him for a one-time, short-lived experience. Root yourselves in church, in community, in the Bible that shows you more of how Jesus is our saviour. That will show you more of how good God is and those roots will grow. Then there's the seeds that fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked the plant. Jesus explains this to be about the people who hear the truth about the kingdom of heaven, but the worries of life choke it. Now this one I can relate to hard, relate to hard sometimes, especially in modern life. There's always something going on, something to do, somewhere to be. We've manufactured this way of living that focuses on efficiency, but it means that we only look to the next thing, how we can get the most out of what we have, how we can fill our time the most. We become too busy to pray. We become so preoccupied with the worries of the world that we forget to give it over to God. And it can even be with good things. We sign up to too many social events in the week. We work too many hours. We fill our mind with too many things. Jesus all of a sudden gets pushed to the back of our mind before we know it. We get distracted by things that tempt us in the world. Marketing tells us that we have to have a better body, a better house, a better car, a better job, better clothes, better everything, that all of a sudden we forget that God gave us our bodies and made us in his image. We forget that God gifts us with skills and puts us where he wants us to be, regardless of how much money it earns. We look for the short-term fix that soon chokes our faith. And I relate to this a lot. So we forget about the long-term. We forget that our commitment to Jesus means that we can live in eternity with him, and that's something when I say it right now, how can I forget that? But it doesn't mean we have to shut ourselves away from the world. It just means we need to press closer to God so that we can see more of his kingdom, get to know him better. And that will keep him our priority and he'll keep being able to show us how he is the greatest ruler in our life, the greatest person we can have in our life. And finally, Jesus talks about the seeds that fall on the good soil. They grow and produce a good crop. Jesus explains this as um, people who hear the word and they understand it, they take it on board. The good soil is a solution to everything that the other soil is not. Someone who is like the good soil has an open mind, an open heart to the word, unlike the soil that falls on the path. There's someone who accepts the gospel but also roots themselves in it, discovering more and more of God each day as they grow. Unlike the seeds that fall on rocks where there's just shallow roots, they're willing to put God first, unlike the soil with thorns. And the good soil can be how our heart is. Do our hearts receive God's message with faith? The crop won't grow overnight. We just need to take the seed into our hearts and let it grow. And growing it will take more of getting to know God, diving into his word, surrounding ourselves in a community that points us more to God, stepping out in faith and spreading the word. And it doesn't mean we do this perfectly. We might have questions and doubts and worries about life, and that's kind of normal. We might sometimes have pride that gets in the way. But God doesn't ask for perfection. He just asks us to let him in 
and fill ourselves with him and his word and to trust in him and his truth for salvation. And this is how the kingdom is revealed, through letting him in. So my question today as I finish is, how are you receiving the word? How are you receiving Jesus? And none of this is to condemn you. If you identify yourself with some of the three soils first mentioned, that's fine. I've identified myself with them at some point. There's no simple trajectory of life. We dip in and out of the different stages of soil as life goes on. But Jesus wants to show us that the more we open up to him, the more we let him in as a priority, the more he'll show us him. It's our choice to turn away from him and not accept the truth. And it's our choice to turn to him and accept the truth. But if we don't, we miss out on getting to know a God who cares for us and protects us. Jesus wants us to know more of him and encourages us to seek his kingdom and cling closer to him. And we can pray and ask God for humility to give us a strong root. We can pray and ask him to be the first priority in our life. And through that truth of God's kingdom, that can be revealed to us. And the truth is that God is a ruler in our life, but we have a deep and intimate relationship with him. He sent his son to die for us on the cross, and that is the truth of the gospel that defeats the enemy. For us to know this is to bring the kingdom into our lives, and for us to sow this seed is to bring the kingdom into this world.